Amen. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, but I had like an absolutely amazing time at the conference. Um, I thought that it was so good. And I actually, I just really wanted to take a second and just say thank you to my parents. Um, because one of the things that I am, I, I absolutely love about going to church here, because sometimes people think that like, oh, you're the son. And so obviously like you have to say that you love it because it's your church. And, but that's not true. Like I could technically go to church somewhere else. But one of the things that I absolutely love about going to church here is the variety of people that we have speak in our pulpits. Okay, I mean, this is the truth. Like we go from Dr. Jim, Dr. Jim Caseman, who's like the walking Bible. And then we have Jason Lee Jones, the wild Bushman. okay? We got Pastor Tommy, you know, we got Ben Williams. I mean, we drink from a very diverse well. And what's so, yeah, Dr. Mark Kaufman, right, who's a businessman. And like, I'm telling you, there are, it, it, it's, it, that's not common, okay? Normally, that's very intimidating to pastors to bring people in who are different and, okay, but better than them, maybe, okay? But I'm telling you something, we have such, there's something that's so amazing here about what God is doing. And, and I really felt like the Lord and as on behalf of our church, just really wanted to say thank you for exposing us really to, yeah, to so much anointing and presence. You know, I hear Kenneth Copeland, he says that, like, he says that people complain to him and say, well, you don't teach the full counsel of the gospel or something like that. And he says, well, nobody does, everybody, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like we really get that. Like there's no area of ministry that I could sit back and say, well, I don't really know about that. I feel like we have people come in who really give us a very broad understanding of scripture. And if there's anything that you want to know, I tell you something, if you go back in the last 18 months, you can find it on lifeliftingchurch.com, which will be live again in just a few short days. <laughs> okay. So um, I love that about this church is that we really, we get to partake of a lot of things. And, and I loved this conference because it kind of fell right on the tail end of all the things that God was doing, right? The name change and the season change and the end of the season of my mom's prophecy. And we went into the Jewish new year. It was like everything kind of fell into one thing. And I w I'm like just stoked, okay? I'm still like chilling in it. I mean, I've been confessing it and praying it every day. And I've been talking about it to people just about, I want to step into this new place. That's one thing that I have really resolved in myself over the last two years is that when God is releasing something, I really, and, and I, I say this is very strong, I pretty much will do whatever is necessary in order to experience that. Like if somebody gives me a prophecy or God says something, like I'm gonna do whatever is possible because I know that if God has opened a door for me, I want to walk through that door. And so this conference, right? You know, we're talking about we're moving into a new place. We're going into this new place, right? And I'm ready for Jason to just bring it, right? Like I'm ready for him to give me the keys to know how to step into this new place. And he's going to tell me, you know, oh, this is what it's going to be. And this is how it's going to happen. And I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm so ready. And then we come to the conference and the first night, all we do is literally sing songs all night long. <laughs> And then the second night we sing songs and, you know, then he talks about the Garden of Eden and streams in the Garden of Eden. And I'm thinking like, Lord, what on earth is going on? And honestly, there was a period of time in the whole midst of this where I'm feeling like, you know, 
okay, Lord, like I'm, I'm waiting for, yeah, like give me some one, two, threes. I'm a one, two, three guy. I'm a science guy. I'm all like A plus B equals C. Like, here we go. Give me something. And I, I struggled for a minute in feeling like I, I, don't, I don't even know what happened here. Like, I feel like I left I walked away from the conference, and I remember him talking about the Garden of Eden and the, the streams or lakes or rivers, and like that was cool. And I remember him singing the lyrics to the song that we've been singing for the last two years, and I mean, that was cool, but I didn't really feel like I left with something tangible. And truthfully, if I could be honest with you, it kind of bugged me a little. It did, because I'm thinking, I know, hey. No judgment, people. Divert your eyes away from me, for I'm a sinful... No, I'm just kidding. Okay? But I tell you, I was sitting back on my drums, and I'm feeling like, Lord, I do not understand what is happening here. And immediately the Lord stopped me, and he spoke to me and said... <clears throat> There is nothing more important in this new season than understanding how much I love you. And in that moment, I totally understood everything that he meant by that. That there was some things that God had to deal with on the inside of us. And the strength in somebody that comes when we have an understanding of God's love for us. Because I tell you something, if you're anything like me, which I know that most people are, is that when we come into these times of the, you know, the new season and the, you know, all these different things, we're constantly focused on what can I do? What can I change? What can I be? What can happen? And I think that sometimes what happens is, is we can feel like there's something that we can do in order to get God to move. And I mean, that was ultimately what I was expecting and waiting for, for Jason to tell me, what is it that I need to do in order for God to open up the heavens and pour out his blessing on me? Because if you give me the ABCs, brother, I'm going to do it. And the Lord stopped me and said, there's nothing more important than for us to understand this very simple concept of how much I love you. Because when we understand how much God loves us and the extent of how much he loves us, I tell you something. 1 Corinthians 13 tells it like this. It says that love never fails. That when I understand the love that God has for me and the way that I fit inside of the love of God, what it does on the inside of me is, yes, I want the one, two, threes. Yes, I want the ABCs. But I tell you something, I want to be rooted and grounded, like the scripture says, in the love of God. Why? Because when I'm rooted and grounded in this understanding of how much God loves me, what changes in me is that the work that God is doing in me, that work cannot fail. Because I tell you something, one of the main things that happens to people is they get into a new season, and myself included in this, is that we get into a new season, and we start walking down the path, and things are going good, and all of a sudden, what happens? The thoughts start, 
or the emotions start. Well, you're not good enough. Oh, you didn't do it right. Oh, you know, that's not for you. Oh, you know, well, maybe sometime in the future. Oh, and things happen. Or maybe it's the emotions. Maybe you're an emotional person and it's like you're so happy and joyful. And all of a sudden you wake up the next day and you're sad and, and grouchy and mopey. And why? Because I tell you something. What the enemy loves to do, I mean, it's a Mark 4 principle that we talk about. The scripture says that immediately what the enemy wants to do to us is come and steal the word that God has for us. But when we understand the love of God, what happens is, is that word can come and it can grow because I understand there's actually nothing that I have to do with this except believe that it's true that God is doing everything that he's doing. He's done everything that he's going to do. And he's poured that out on me simply because he loves me. And so now all of a sudden things happen. Maybe negative situations start. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Negative things happen, negative emotions, negative thoughts, negative situations. And what happens now all of a sudden, well, I'm just not moved. I'm just not bothered. Because I understand that, well, God loves me, and so I know this is good here, and, and I know that 2,000 years ago, he finished the work on the cross, and I know that's good there. And so although things may be happening, although things may come and things may go, I'm not moved because I understand his love for me. And when I understand that, it gives me the power to be able to move through difficult situations, move through challenging times, and I'm able to be unscathed. And so I, I really felt this su super strongly this morning, and we're actually going to take a diversion in a second. But I felt like if you're in this room and you're feeling that, that, you know, I don't know what happened, I don't know what it was, maybe you felt like it was a little weird, Maybe you've never experienced something like that. Maybe you didn't know soaking was a thing and you're thinking, what on earth is happening right now? I felt like what the Lord really, and I feel like my very initial off-the-hop challenge to each of us is, is that we would allow the Lord to continue the work on the inside of us where we can actually and finally come to the place where we understand the love that God has for us. I was talking to somebody just the other day and we were talking about this, this understanding of worship and these things. And, and I was talking about my own journey going through worship. And, and sometimes, and I think a lot of time, and, and obviously we worship the Lord because he's good. And, and we do that and we come to worship and we sing about his goodness. And those things are amazing. And I challenged this person with this thought. And I said to them, this is, I, I, I'm challenging you. And this is what I want you to do for the next whatever I said. Is when you go to worship, Instead of thinking about you pouring yourself out for God, I want you to think about while you're in worship, as your hands are lifted, I want you to think about God pouring his love into me. Because you see, sometimes what can happen is we can encounter these amazing things and we can come into these amazing worship service and we can sing these amazing songs and we can do all this stuff and that's amazing, but we never actually leave changed because we're constantly trying to give God something in order to get him to respond to do something in our life. But, oh, that's quiet there. Ooh. Amen. You take that, all of you. There's nothing that you have to do in order to get God to respond to you. 
But I challenge this person because the reality is, is that what we need, what each of us need, is a deep understanding of the love of God, how much God loves us. And as we understand that, what happens is, is I understand that I live constantly under an open heaven. That I don't step in and I don't step out, but God's blessing is designed to flow to me unhindered in every area of my life. Okay? So that was my little preface there, uh, because that was something that I just need for each of us to understand as we continue to move forward. And, and so what I want to talk about tonight is I want to take a second and just talk about giving us an understanding of what it looks like for us to now walk into our new place of increase. Because the prophecies have come and the dates have gone by and people have said what they've said and now we're standing in this place, you just like me, we're standing in this place and I'm looking at it saying, okay, Lord, what is it now? Like, what's my next step? Okay, and I've been asking the Lord this for the last couple of weeks, and the Lord has used the, the kind of the Bible scripture about the Israelites to give me an understanding of what does it look like in order to walk through into my land of promise, okay? Because the Israelites went through a very similar example to us in the sense that they went through different stages, okay? Like they were in Egypt, which is signifying to us what it was like to be in the world, okay? Like we're just kind of a slave to the system, you know, and that's, we're just following the rules and we're trying to make it happen. And then all of a sudden we're liberated from our slavery and we find ourselves in the wilderness, right? Which is where a lot of people have found themselves. And my key to basically to people in the wilderness is just survive, right? Like just make it through, and, and the reality is, is that sometimes that in itself is challenging to just kind of make it through. But there's something very significant about when we get into the promised land and where we find ourselves right now, which is in that place of promise, that God has said what he said. I mean, he even went so far as to change the name of the church to give us an understanding of exactly what his intention is to do in our lives in our families, in our city, in our region, because God is using us now to establish this region of righteousness. And so as I began to think about it and think about the lives of the Israelites, I asked myself this question, who were the people that made it into the promised land, right? Because there were a lot of people who were slaves in Egypt that didn't make it into the promised land. There was a lot of people that went through the journey and they went through the process and, you know, basically they died in the wilderness. And I don't know about you, but I'm saying absolutely not me, okay? I didn't walk for 40 years, right, in the sand to not get to go into my place, right? We've sacrificed and we've sowed a lot to not see God do in our city what he promised that he was going to do. You've done a lot. You've stepped out on the word to not see God do in your life what you knew he was going to do. And there was very specific criteria for the people from Israel who actually were permitted to go into the land of promise, okay? And so the very first thing that all the Israelites needed to do if they were going to make it into the land of promise was they had to be able to, number one, release old mindsets. Isaiah 43, 18 says it like this. Do not remember 
the former things or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. What's Isaiah telling us? That if we aren't aware of the new thing that God is doing, we're not going to see the new road that he's created for us to walk on. Because we're so used to seeing desert, but what God is saying is, is that I'm about to put a river in the midst of your desert. But if you're so focused on the things that have gone on in the past, you're never going to be able to embrace what I'm desiring to do in the future. I can't tell you how many people I hear when I ask about what's going on in their life, they, they, they continue to, or they start to talk to me about all the negative things that have happened to them in the past. I don't want to know the negative things that happened in your past. I want to know what are you believing that God is going to do in the future. You see, the criteria of what got the Israelites, number one, into the promised land was they were able to forget about the negatives that they experienced in their life in their past. They were able to let go of the mindsets, let go of the ideas, let go of the disappointments, let go of the frustrations. And the people who could let go of what was and embrace what is, those are the people that went into the promised land. You see, you cannot enter into a new season with an old mindset. You cannot enter into a new season. You can't expect that things are going to be the same. You can't think the same negative thoughts. You can't expect the same things to happen. What, what the reason why the Israelites got to go in was because they could believe that their future held something different for them than their past. Old mindsets will keep us stuck in those old ways. Number two, you have to remember now, now this is kind of the funny thing, you got to forget some of the stuff that happened to you, but there's some of the stuff back there that you need to remember. Right? Isn't that right? I mean, the Israelites had that when, you know, they crossed, a, they went across the Red Sea and what did they do? They built a monument so that they could and their children and their children's children could remember that they went across. And David says this in, in 1 Samuel 17 when he's, you know, talking to Saul, who's the king at this time. And, you know, he says, you know, uh, this, I'm the guy, you know, he's this like young guy and whatever. And, you know, Goliath is out there and David comes to him and says, hey, I'm the guy. I'm going to fight this, this giant and I'm going to win this great victory for Israel. And Saul looks to him, you know, and he's like, yeah, that's, that's nice. That's good. Good. That's good. Good for you. Right. And then what happens, David goes on to say, well, when I was tending my father's sheep and a lion came, well, I, I dealt with that. And I could just imagine, like, if that was me and somebody told me, yeah, I wrestled a lion and I beat it. it, would, it would, I would definitely listen a little more to this person. And then he goes on to say, well, and the same thing happened when a bear came. I wrestled the bear. I wrestled it. And I beat the bear. Okay, now I'm thinking, this is, this is possible. And what happened was, is that David was recounting 
the past victories, and recounting the past victories got him his present victories. I tell you something, I guarantee you that there was another man in that crowd of all the men of Israel who had seen God do something amazing in their life, right? Like surely it wasn't just David. Of all the people, God did nothing for anybody except for David. No, I'm sure that there were other men there, but David understood a secret. He knew how to draw on the strength of past victories in order to prophesy to him about what he's going to do in the future. You see, what we have to do is not only do I need to forget the negative that's behind me, I have to constantly remind myself about the positive of all the things that God did, all the impossible situations. You know, all those things that people said, you know, oh, that could never be done, and then it gets done. And then, you know, you go six more months, you're like, oh, that could never be done. And then God does it. And then you go six, and then you, they say, oh, that could definitely never, and then God does it. And then you go down the road, and you're like, oh, that could never be, and then God... What gets you into the land of promise is you're able to draw from the strength of all the victories of the past and allow those things to make me so confident now about what God desires to do in my future that I rehearse the victories. You see, the first time that Israel got up to the promise then, right? Because it wasn't, it didn't actually take them 40 years, right, to get to the promised land. I think that it was like only a couple day journey. Like it wasn't actually a big deal. And the, but the first time that they went there, you know, they get there and they're like, yeah, this is it. Hallelujah. And they're like, hey, just before you go in, let's send 12 spies in. Just, you know, check it out. And we all know the story. The 12 spies goes in and it's this land that's flowing with milk and honey. And they get a bushel of grapes and two guys have to carry it because it's so good. And it's like, yeah, this is so amazing. And they come back. And what happens? Ten of them give a negative report. Well, they say, oh, we were grasshoppers in the sight of these giants. We're nothing. If we go in there, they'll squash us like bugs. But Caleb, what comes back out and says, this is it. This is our land. You see, what was Caleb doing? Caleb was remembering. Wait a minute. It was impossible for me to be freed as a slave. But yet, here I am, free. It was impossible for us to get across the Red Sea. But yet, here I am. Now, as he's standing in the midst of another impossible situation, what? His past victories are prophesying to him about the future. He was so convinced that he said, let's go in now, like today. Like, let's not even wait another moment. Let's go right now because, I mean, maybe the same thing is going to happen, right? We're going to walk in there and Moses is going to take his staff and he's just going to like slam it into the ground and it's going to send this giant shockwave. Who knows? But I know that if we go in, the same God who brought us out of the slavery, who brought us across the Red Sea, that same God will do the same thing in my life right now. You see, as I remember what God did in the past, it reminds me and prophesies, it encourages me of the impossible that he's going to do in my future. You see, the same faith that got you here is the same faith you need in order to be successful here. Let me say that again. The same faith that got you here, right? Because God would never bring you somewhere in order to fail. He would never tell you about the open door and then you, you know, walk through the door and there's nothing there and you fall to your death. No, the same faith that got us here is the same faith 
that's going to sustain us here. I mean, isn't this true? I mean, Joshua 1.8, we read and we love this scripture, you know, and the, the angel of the Lord comes and, you know, tells him that he's going to win this great victory. And this is all that I need you to do. Meditate on the word day and night, right? Okay. I'm reading that thinking, okay, angel, give me the word, right? Like, give me the word that I need in order to meditate on. But then I realize, wait a minute, Joshua, he already had the word. You see, we have everything that we need in order to succeed here. It's what got us here. Number three, we must be willing and we must be obedient. My subheading to this is don't be distracted by the battles. Isaiah 119 says this, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, I thought about this. You know that Israel didn't fight a battle until they got into their promised land? Right? Like they weren't fighting battles in the wilderness. They were just trying to survive. Sometimes what can happen to us is that we come into our promised land. God prophesies it. We step in. And what is it? We, the first step that we take into it, we're our face with the giant wall of Jericho. <laughs> right? I mean, that's such a daunting thing. You're like, yes, we're in our promised land. And then you slam into this giant wall, right? Thinking, all right, this is cool, right? But sometimes what happens is, is that we can become distracted by the battle instead of realizing that this is just momentary, that we've never gone this far before. And so there's things here that just need to be taken care of in order for us to get to our promised land. You see, Israel never fought a battle until they got into their promised land. But when they got into their promised land, they really didn't have to fight any of the battles. God fought all the battles for them. You know, this is the, the coolest thing about this was, is that in all of the times that they went through all of these battles, nobody from Israel was ever hurt. Okay? I mean, except for the one time with the Achan thing, you know, that was, we'll just forget about that. Okay? But all the other battles that they went through... Nobody was even injured. And I mean, this is, it was a real mind check for me because I realized just because I might face something, just because I have to fight against something, doesn't mean that that thing actually has the ability to touch me. But you see, we must in this season choose to be willing and obedient. I can only, I can't even imagine what Joshua would have felt like. They walk up to this giant wall, you know, and he's here. He's the new guy, right? He's the new guy. He's the story. He's like the new guy on the scene. Moses was this great guy, you know, parts the Red Sea, strikes the rock, and the water flows. And Joshua comes to all these men, and they're ready. Like, they're like, yes, we're going to battle. And he says, ah, guys. Sorry. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to fight. Don't worry about making swords. We're going to dance around the building. We're going to blow our trumpets, and we're going to dance and shout. And the walls are going to come down. But I tell you something, what? Willing and obedient. I guarantee you the story would have gone a lot differently 
if Joshua would have heard from the Lord, do the thing, go run, run around and dance and blow the trumpets, if he'd have heard that and he would have thought, oh, that's, that's foolish. Let's make swords and bows and arrows and weapons and let's go and I guarantee you the story would have looked differently. I tell you, in this new season where we are, there's nothing more valuable to us than having a very conscious understanding of how to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm challenging you in this. If you're used to just making decisions, like flying off the handle, making decisions right, left, and center, okay? I want to challenge you. Learn what it feels like to make decisions by consulting the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when, I mean, the scripture says it, the road to death is wide, and many are they that find it, but the road to life is narrow, and few are they. I want to live on the narrow path, and that looks like hearing from the Lord, hearing what he has to say, being willing, and being obedient. Being willing and being obedient. Hearing from the Lord, being willing and being obedient. And just like the Israelites, God, I, I'm here to make sure that you understand this. God did not bring us here for our destruction. He didn't bring you here to have us put all these cool banners up and prophesy all these cool things in your life for nothing to happen. God did everything that he did, changed the names, prophesied to us, gave us dreams, given us words. He's done all that to wake us up so that we understand everything that God has, from the very beginning of time, destined for us to live inside. You know, I recently did a rhema with somebody. I'm closing with this. I recently did a rhema with somebody, and I absolutely loved what Jesus said to them. He said this, it's right around the corner. I mean, as a kid, I love that. You know, you're like, Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there And my dad was like, oh, He'd always tell us it was like far. Like even if we were like five minutes away, he'd be like, yeah, it's like 18 hours away, right? Because <laughs> thinking that we would stop. But then I can remember, I remember the one time we went and stayed at my grandparents' house. And we're like, Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And he said, we're just, we're right around the corner. And what happened? Immediately, my heart got excited. You know, yes, that was in this person's rhema, but I'm here to prophesy to each and every one of you that your blessing, your breakthrough, your change, your freedom, the promise of God, the change in relationships, that healing that you've desired, those things in our life, they're right around the corner. So Heavenly Father, this evening, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for all the amazing things that you have done. God, that you brought a man, a wild bush man, all the way from Georgia to remind us that you have taken care of the details. You've set us up for success. And we choose, Lord, first off, just say this, just say, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my past that's hindering me from my future. He might say something to you, a situation, a person, maybe a belief system.
Maybe you got something, maybe you didn't. But just say that. Just say, Jesus, tell me the truth. Father, we choose, Lord, to take that truth. We choose as an act of our will to replace that lie, those situations, with the truth of who you are, of your nature, of your goodness in our lives. We thank you, Father, that everything you have promised is guaranteed in our life. And we thank you for those things in Jesus' name.